I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 this morning. Great book, great letter, um, because they had a lot of problems in Corinth, and in straightening them out, Paul gives us lots of helpful instructions about, especially about life as a spiritual community, or life within spiritual community. And he comes to the um, issue of communion, or the Lord's Supper, or Eucharist, depending on your tradition. Anyway, in uh, 1 Corinthians 11.23, For I received from the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. There's, to me, that's such a poor translation of this passage, and it's one of the reasons why we get this feeling when we read it. But look, um, I had a hard time uh, pulling myself together this morning um, as I was getting up and stumbling around in the dark trying to remember my first name. Uh, my thought was that I didn't really want to be here this morning. I was thinking, I don't want to go, and I don't want to do that today. Um, and uh, I know you can do that. Uh, you can say, oh, not today. <laughs> it, might, it might seem a little strange if I just didn't show up this morning. Uh, but that was my first thought. I thought, you know what? If I were to follow my heart, I'd go down to the beach, I'd find a quiet place, kind of lonely, and I would just sit there with Jesus for a while. Um, I could really use his company today, um, his strength and his wisdom. Uh, uh, you know, I'll just say, yesterday was a tough day emotionally. Um, it's never just a funeral or a wedding for me. It's always a person, and a family, and friends. So um, if I don't feel what others are feeling, I'm not really there. I'm just the professional doing this thing, and I give my spiel and split. But it, Well, I do give my spiel and split, but that's my agoraphobia. That's not. Um, <laughs> I, I, in the process, though, I'm very unprofessional. So uh, yesterday was tough. Um, a young mother 
longtime friend of the family. In fact, in the video collage at the end, there was a photograph of my dad holding her in the air when she was an infant. Another photograph of her when she was a teenager holding my two twins when they were infants. And there was another picture of me holding her daughter, Emma, when she was a baby. So here are these generations that I have lived with this family, and the mom and dad are completely crushed. And, uh, you know, there are some couples, you look at them and you ask, will they survive this? Can they, can they, their only child? So uh, I was wrung out, and a residual of that stayed with me into this morning. But when my brain started waking up, uh, it was probably that energy drink, um, then I knew that this is exactly where I wanted to be and where I needed to be. So I'm very pleased to be here right now. Paul was not with Jesus and his disciples in the upper room. Paul says that he received from the Lord what he passed on to us about the Lord's Supper. Obviously, he received that from stories he heard from the other apostles. And in hearing it, he took it to heart. He, he understood what Jesus was saying. And he, he observed then communion the same way that we do. Um, as the ritual reenactment of that hour that Jesus had with his disciples over supper. Paul fully understood, and I, don't, I would also add he felt, the sacredness of, of um, communion, of the, of the bread and the cup. And he had specific instructions for the spiritual community as to how to observe its sacredness, how to observe communion so that they were there in reverence. And that's what he's talking about here in this chapter of Corinthians. And the way it reads, it sounds like a warning to back away from it. I mean, who doesn't feel unworthy? I mean, am I worthy to take Jesus and receive him in this way, his body and his blood? I feel like the centurion who said, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and do a remote healing, you know, do, do a long distance healing, I'll be fine. Um, I'm not, I know I'm not worthy, but that, Paul is not warning us to stay away from it. This is an invitation to come and to eat and to drink, but to do it with full awareness of what you're doing and what is here, and that it is sacred, and we approach it in reverence, and that, as a result, we receive the full benefit of it. I went to visit my mom about a week ago, and her caregiver is very health conscious, made me this wonderful drink that kind of tasted like dirt. <laughs> I think that was the, is it turmeric or turmeric? Or, um, does that taste like dirt? Sort of, <laughs> if you're not used to it. Okay, thank you. Uh, thank you for confirming that for me. Anyway, um, it was very healthy, and I thought this is wonderful that my, my mom gets to have this every day. Uh, 
you know, it's kind of like, you know, those years of eat your spinach. Uh, you know, drink your turmeric, mom. <laughs> anyway, uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry. I had so much fun with that. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Would you like to receive the full value of your turmeric shake? Um, if not, why drink it? I mean, you're not going to drink it for pleasure. Um, would you like to receive its full value? All the health benefits of the coconut oil and the cinnamon and all the other trendy uh, herbs. Uh, would you like to receive the full value of what's here today? God is giving you something today. Do you want its full value? Paul says, come with reverence and full awareness of the sacred and this is how we get everything out of it that God's put into it for us. Let me, before going on, <clears throat> to come with reverence is to discern the embodied presence of Jesus Christ. This is what he says. He says, the problem here is that some of you are not discerning the body. You're not recognizing what's here. Communion celebrates our union with God in a gift for which we have undying gratitude. And that's why it's called Eucharist in the high church because Eucharist is the Greek word for giving thanks. We come giving thanks. I'm so blessed to be able to be here and to receive this. And so, um, and so we have this life of Christ in us again, we have this re renewal. But let me remind you of this, the biblical story that defines reflection, who we are. And it's this story here. We have two men on a journey and Jesus who joins them. You remember that? The, it's the first Sunday after Jesus' crucifixion and two of his disciples are walking away from Jerusalem. Jerusalem is this place of orientation for Old Testament spirituality. And they're leaving this now because what happened there for them was not the coming of God's kingdom in Jesus, at least not that they could see, but the death of Jesus. And I'm sure they're confused and disturbed and very sad, but they're walking away and because they're so full of emotion and Jesus now has become so confusing to them because uh, they had thrown themselves in. They were his followers and they believed he, he was all that and now he's dead and buried. So they're confused. They walk away and they're in this conversation discussing the things that had happened, trying to make sense of it. And this other person, also taking his own journey, joins them. Perhaps he comes from one of the side roads, and all of a sudden he's next to them, and he's walking along, eavesdropping. And at that time, in that culture, that's not such a problem. And uh, he finally says something to the effect of, wow, you're, you're, the tone of your voice is... You, and uh, the way you go back and forth, this sounds like a really intense conversation. What are you discussing? 
And one of them looks at him and says, you've got to be the only visitor to Jerusalem to not know what's happened these last few days. All the things that happened. And he innocently says, what things? And they go into it. Well, about Jesus the Nazarene, how he was a mighty prophet of God and he did these wonderful things and he taught these wonderful messages and we followed him and believed in him and and believed that redemption for Israel was going to come through him. But then our leaders took him and beat him and crucified him and the whole thing fell apart. But then some women this morning who went to his tomb to care for his his corpse amazed us when they came telling us stories about how Jesus had risen from the dead. And we just don't know what to do with all of this. And looking at them, Jesus said, probably very compassionately and tenderly, Oh, foolish men, (laughs) and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And on they go as he, he gives this Wonderful detailed interpretation of the Hebrew scriptures until they arrive at their destination and they're about to go into the home where they're staying and it looks like he's going to just keep journeying on and they turn to him at this point and they say, please stay. Would you, would you please stay? It's late. It's getting dark. Please stay. So he goes in with them and when the meal is served, at least the beginning of it, The bread is on the table. He takes it. He gives thanks for it. He breaks it, and he gives it to them. Four simple actions. You know know what? We've seen him do this. They've seen him do this. Perhaps when he fed the multitude, he took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples to give to the people. And the night of the Last Supper, he took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. And when he takes the bread and breaks it, gives thanks, gives it to them, they recognize him. And he disappeared. They start talking about this. What What, what just happened? Wow, no wonder, as we were coming here and he was talking, we, we could not take our attention away from him. And every word was like a fiery arrow going to our hearts and setting our hearts on fire and how inspired it was. And they get up and they run back to Jerusalem. They go back to the orienting place where they now have faith again. And they tell the other disciples, about their experience and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. In junior high school, uh, I struggled with my studies. I was talking to my grandson about it this morning on the way here. 
that um, I went to uh, three different junior high schools. The first one I went to was after we had moved uh, to the coast from inland, and I did not know anyone. But actually, I started off pretty well there um, because they were doing new math. So I didn't have to know any math to do new math. It was like, oh, great, fresh start, base 10. Um, if we had stayed with that, I'd probably be a computer programmer today. But uh, we didn't. Uh, we moved. And they were adding, no, dividing and multiplying fractions. I never, ever got to divide a fraction, you invert and multiply. Now, I know it. I know, see, I know that. But I couldn't figure out why that worked. Have you ever tried to figure out why that works? Have you ever like written it all out, all the numbers out? I could never do that. And because I could never do that, I just didn't trust my teacher. <laughs> so I developed my own system for dividing fractions, and I always got the answer wrong. It wasn't a good system. So um, I, I was labeled a slow learner. I am still. Um, I have an icon picture in my wallet, my patron saint. It's Bart Simpson, <laughs> the proud underachiever, um, who shows how to survive life you know, as a slow learner, so that's okay. But um, the disciples' problem here is not that they were slow learners, they were slow believers. Oh, foolish men, slow of heart to believe. All that the prophets said. It wasn't a mental deficiency. It was a, it was a heart problem. And if they had faith and trust, they would have seen so much more in the scriptures than what they saw. One time in Israel, um, the, this very lovely woman in our tour group, her, her name is Mariella, she she was asking our tour guide about Isaiah 53. Have you ever read Isaiah 53? And later she told me that she had talked to him about it. She said, I don't see how they can read Isaiah 53 in their own scriptures and not see Jesus. And I tried to explain, that's because we're looking at Isaiah 53 through Jesus. And it's easy to see him there. But if you're looking at it through the eyes of Abraham, it can be impossible to see Jesus. You see something else. And most Hebrew scholars, that is, um, uh, scholars in Judaism who read Isaiah 53, do not see Jesus there. All Christian theologians see Jesus there. We cannot help it. But he's not just in Isaiah 53. He's in Genesis chapter 1. Oh, yeah, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, all of Exodus, all of Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, all the way through. And this is the Bible study that he gave his disciples on the road to Emmaus. But they were slow of heart. If they weren't so slow of heart to believe, they would have seen more of this stuff. Maybe not all of it. And they need this lecture he's giving them. He's also giving them an interpretive key to the Old Testament because now not only do they see it, now they're able to do this for themselves with the help of the Holy Spirit, obviously. But you need to understand that 
when Jesus says this to them, oh, foolish men, slow of heart to believe, it's not, it's not a critique or a rebuke. It's a diagnosis. And what he's doing on the way is he's administering the cure by showing them how this works and to, you know, to accommodate to their slowness. You know, sometimes we don't believe or we don't trust for emotional reasons. It's not always intellectual. We like to think it's intellectual. It's not always. It's emotional, and it's fear. And one of the big fears is, what if I trust and it's not true? Um, and maybe you know, th- there's some of that there. You know, there's always going to be something. So he, he's telling them, you've missed this because you're looking at it in a very rational way and you're letting your rational mind get in the way. Um, and if not, this is what you would have seen already. I think of all the times that Jesus has been there and I didn't recognize him. Those are my regrets. What would have that what would that conversation have been like if I recognized that Jesus was there? Well, I probably wouldn't have had to argue so much. I'd probably be more at peace and um if I was aware of him, I may have seen the smirk on his face or felt his hand on my shoulder. All right, Chuck, just calm it down here. You don't need to defend my father. You know, he can take care of himself. Um, just relax a little bit. I wonder how I would have reacted in this situation had I recognized the presence of Jesus there. Uh, These disciples at least had a valid excuse. They did not recognize Jesus because we're told their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. It was a setup. Um, God did not allow them to recognize Jesus, which is probably important. But for me, when I look back at the times I did not recognize Jesus, I see it as lost opportunity. This, however, was not a lost opportunity. In fact, it was an advantage because it allowed Jesus to walk them through the scriptures and explain all this stuff to them without them knowing that it was Jesus. If they realized on the road right away that this was the resurrected Jesus, they would have had all kinds of questions that would take them in a completely different direction direction and it would be a very different conversation and they'd never have all of this in other words how can it be you um uh, how what is resurrection how are you raised from the dead i mean all the kinds of questions that that we would have and why did you do this anyway and and what are we supposed to do now and instead they don't know it's jesus it's just some brilliant person who knows all about the bible and all about god well, this guy knows almost as much as Jesus knows. Um, So if they had known it was a resurrected Jesus, it would have been a lost opportunity to hear the message that they heard. This is a crucial moment. These guys were very vulnerable. 
They had questions, and they were eager to learn. And they learned from this scholar. There's something else about Jesus traveling incognito. Um, you know, I think of, of uh, celebrities who try to go out in disguises. You know, um, I was sitting with a friend in an outdoor cafe one time with a uh, baseball cap and sunglasses, and uh, this person asked, don't people um, recognize you and come up and say hi to you? And uh, actually, the, the truthful answer was, no, they've forgotten all about me. Um, but uh, the, the story I told was, no, they don't recognize me because of my disguise. You know, the baseball cap and the sunglasses. People see me and they go, that looks like Chuck. Oh, no, can't be. He's wearing a baseball cap. So um, um, think of celebrities who cannot be out in public. And even if they're incognito, someone's going to say, aren't you my favorite actor? Or do you just look like... Um, <laughs> uh, Jack Nicholson. Um, so Jesus being incognito, there's something else about it that I find really wonderful. I think that he enjoyed this. And I don't think he enjoyed it as a prank. <laughs> Wait until I figure this out. <laughs> you know, they're going to feel so stupid. Um, the beauty of it is that he's able to just be himself in this way. And this is what he wants. This is how he wants to be with us. Many Christians have these stern images of Jesus where he's demanding and mean. You know, like he's the, this perfect one. And now he stands at God's right hand and he says, well, why can't you get it right? I did. Um, but the way he projects himself is as a person, a friend, a brother. So we don't know that it's Jesus. Um, so we let down our guard. We're more comfortable, more ourselves. And then when we recognize him, we say, but how can you be Jesus? You love me so much. You're so kind to me. You're so generous. You're so accepting. And he says, well, now you get me. I'm not that religious image. I am this person with you now, a person like you. So he goes with us. He listens to us. He talks about whatever we're talking about and whatever is on our heart and mind. He puts himself within our reach. He makes himself available and accessible, which brings us to this table. This is Jesus available and acceptable. It was in the breaking of the bread that they recognized him. And Paul says that the benefits of communion come through discerning the Lord's body in it. He meets us here. He joins us in our journey. He is on our life's road with us. He, he is the spiritual community on its spiritual journey with him joining us and showing himself to us in the scripture and in our circumstances. <clears throat> we have to return to the bread and the cup for our rendezvous with Christ. This cup, he says, is the new covenant in my blood. 
Covenant is one of the central themes that runs through the Bible. Covenant with Noah, covenant with Abraham, covenant with Israel, through Moses. The new covenant, Jeremiah prophesied, which is fulfilled in Christ. And Jesus says, this is the new covenant in my blood. A covenant is slightly different from a contract. In a contract, a person says, I give you my word. In a covenant, a person says, I give you myself. And Jesus gives himself to us. You know, that's what the, the minister has the groom and the bride say to each other. Not, I give you my word. But I betroth myself unto thee. I give you myself. And Jesus gives us himself. And our spirits are renewed and our, our, our minds are opened again to see. Our faith increases. All the, all the wonders of Christ's ministry to us are renewed and refreshed. That's why we return to the table. As often as you drink of it, do it in remembrance of me. God connects with humans by way of covenant. Now, as soon as the disciples recognized him at that home in Emmaus, he vanished from their sight, which I think is a ripoff. I mean, every time I read it, that's how I feel. It's like, what? They just recognize you and you disappear? That's a rotten thing to do. Now, that does seem like a bad prank, but um, it's how it's supposed to be, and I, I have to reconcile myself to that that he is no longer physically present to them as he was before. He's still with them, but in a different way. And they have him now exactly according to God's plan, because God's plan was a community, or what is in Exodus is called a kingdom of priests unto our God, a community that has a fire within itself that burns for God. And at which we all come, which makes the fire more intense, and warm ourselves. Um, here is how they had him now, that he was resurrected. Here is how they had him now, that he vanished from their sight. They had him in the scriptures, and with new eyes to see what was in the scriptures. In fact, um, later on in this chapter, Jesus is with all of his apostles, and he opens their eyes. He opens their minds to understand the scripture. And he had also opened the scripture to his disciples. So they have the scripture. Secondly, they have the spirit of God. His inner presence, his life. They're never alone. And also the spirit of God who's helping them to read, interpret, understand, and live the scriptures. They have the bread and the cup the sacred rendezvous with Jesus. And they have their close-knit spiritual community, like we do, a life together that is shaped by Jesus Christ and kept alive by Jesus Christ and is, in fact, the body of Christ. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it because God has placed the members, each of them, in the body. 
Now, some of us cannot help the fact that we're slow learners. But I think slow to believe is a choice. It's usually an emotion that keeps us from making the right choice. But it's still a choice. And I think that we can choose to say, well, I'm just going to believe God today. And I'm going to believe that Jesus is here today. And that he's here for me. And that I'm invited to receive him and to be with him. This is where I want to be right now. Here with you, eating the bread, drinking from the cup. And I want to be here this morning doing this because I just want to be with Jesus. Would you stand and pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you because you love us not a little bit, but infinitely. And though your love goes far beyond our comprehension, our hearts perceive it enough to know that all shall be well. We ask that your spirit would be with us now in an unusually tangible way, a way that we can experience in mind and emotion, body, a way in which he reaches even deep into our unconscious. We ask that we would experience at least some of the sacredness of what we're about to experience and that we would come with reverence. And we thank you that if we let go of all judgment of others, of all worries about the future and regrets and resentments of the past. And we settle into this moment with you that all that we desire from you in terms of our spiritual growth and deepening and influence in the world, that all that will be here right now here in Jesus for us now so that we can be here in great contentment and in your peace. So give us grace for whatever happens in these next moments and may our faith rise to meet your grace and there may we encounter you. Through Jesus we pray, amen. You may be seated. We're going to go into our, our usual period of silent prayer now. So you take a deep breath, begin to relax where you are. Um, and as we do, and as you feel ready, um, you can come here to the table and 
take the bread, dip it in the cup, and um, either eat it here, go back to your seat, and just hold on to it for a moment, or um, however you wish to do it, because this is going to be between you and God. Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Jesus Christ, the bread of life. And we thank you, Father.